Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Warning. Kind of Murdery contains adult themes, explicit language, and descriptions of violence. It is not suitable for anyone. And we recommend you stop listening now. True crime with a dash of the paranormal, the garish, the strange, and the darkly comic. I'm Zevin Odelberg, host of Kinda Murdery, a podcast that's about more than just murder. It's my very own pocket dimension, home to a curated collection of bizarre and compelling stories, the unsolved, the unsettling, and the unbelievable. I cover it all, just so long as it's Kinda Murdery. That's the truth, folks. Just like it says in the intro, I am Zevin Odelberg, and this is Kinda Murdery. Now, in our last new episode, I started out with just a few brief musings on the month of November. I've got some thoughts rattling around this mostly empty skull of mine at the start of this episode, too, and I'm going to share them with you, although in this case, unlike last time, these musings are directly related to the story you are about to hear. A story I'm calling Sex, Money, Murder, and Zombies. Mormon mysticism and the doomsday death dealers. Wow, that is a big title, a long title. So let's get to my musings, huh? I want to offer you a few thoughts on human nature and the nature of the human brain. The world we live in is a massive, confusing, and sometimes terrifying place. It's easy to feel unimportant, unseen, and to feel like nothing makes sense. None of us enjoy those feelings, and our brains especially don't. The human brain strives for connections. Connections between apparently disparate data points that make the incomprehensible comprehensible. In other words, your brain wants to make the random make sense, not feel random. Your brain doesn't like to be confronted with the nihilistic nature of the void all the time. It wants to find meaning wherever it can. Believe me, my brain wants that too. Now, hand in hand with this deep human need for things to make sense, to be understandable, is an equally fundamental desire for our lives to matter, not just to ourselves and the people that care about us, but to matter in some larger sense. We want to feel like we are living in a time that is somehow more important than the times before or the times to come. Put simply, we need to understand and we need to feel relevant. We have an inexorable fever to achieve both those kinds of validation. And throughout history, we find a pair, two seductive prescriptions. What are those two things? Conspiracies and doomsday beliefs. Conspiracies make the random feel rational. They also make people feel special, like they belong 
to an exclusive club with special knowledge and are privy to secrets that no one else knows. As for doomsday cults and doomsday beliefs, they are similar to conspiracy theories in many ways, not the least of which they make people feel important, like their lives matter especially because, after all, they are living not just at a random point in human history, but rather during the most important days ever, the end of days. Just in case this all sounds pretty dark, and the story you're about to hear is pretty dark, to be clear, everyone is important, everyone's life matters, and no one should need a conspiracy theory or an apocalypse to know these simple truths. So with that in mind, please do join me now as we uncover what truths we can and solve what mysteries we may. Kinda murderies, sex, money, murder, and zombies, Mormon mysticism and the doomsday death dealers. Whew, that's a mouthful. Starts now. In 2006, Lori Vallow married Charles Vallow. And the marriage wasn't just a merger of two hearts, but also a blending of families. Tylee, Lori's daughter from a previous chapter in her life, gained a stepfather, Charles. And as the years went on, 2014 emerged as a significant milestone for the Vallows. Perhaps driven by a longing to expand their familial tapestry, they embraced a new member into their fold. JJ, a young boy with the innocence of youth still fresh in his eyes, joined the family. He wasn't just any child. He was the grandson of Charles's sister, a direct blood tie to the Vallows that added layers of familial bonds and responsibility. The decision to adopt JJ painted a picture of a family growing not just in numbers but in love and connection. Yet beneath the surface of this seemingly happy expansion lay undercurrents of complexity and future entanglements. The merging of past and present, of histories and futures, set the stage for a narrative replete with twists and turns where every character's backstory played a crucial role in the unfolding drama. The story of Lori, Charles, Tylee, and JJ is not just a tale of family dynamics. It's something of a mystery, rich with potential clues and hidden motives, each waiting to be unraveled. As we delve deeper into their lives, we uncover the layers that make this more than just a family story, that make it, like I just said, a mystery, a mystery that beckons to be solved, a puzzle, where every piece holds significance. As the pages of time turned to 2017, a subtle yet significant shift began to unfold in the life of Lori Vallow. It was not a change in her circumstances, but in her very essence, her demeanor. Those who knew her, family and friends, began to notice this transformation, a metamorphosis that seemed to have its roots in the books she was reading. You see, Lori found herself increasingly engrossed in the writings of Chad Daybell, a religious author whose pen-crafted narratives of the apocalypse. These fictional tales, while drawn loosely from the beliefs of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, known more commonly as Mormons, wove a complex tapestry of religious themes. It wasn't just the content of the books that captivated Lori, it was the ideologies they espoused, the end-of-the-world scenarios, the doomsdays, that seemed to resonate with something deep inside of her. The plot thickened in 2018, marking a pivotal moment in this unfolding story. Lori and Chad, whose paths were previously parallel, intersected. Their meeting was not just a convergence of two individuals, but of two minds steeped in religious fervor and apocalyptic thought. Together they embarked on a new venture, a religious podcast. You know, side note, try as I might, 
I could find dozens of podcasts about Lori and Chad, but I could not find what the actual name of their podcast was. So if anybody knows, go ahead and reach out to me, uh, kindofmurdery at gmail.com, at kindofmurdery on all social media. I'd love to know what their podcast was actually called that seems to have been somewhat scrubbed from the internet. So anyway, they started a religious podcast together. And the podcast platform became their stage where they shared ideologies and beliefs, broadcasting to their many listeners and weaving a complex web of spiritual and apocalyptic discourse. The partnership between Lori and Chad, forged in the fires of their shared beliefs, marked a new chapter in Lori's life. It was a union that would not only redefine her path, but also cast long shadows on the lives of those around her, particularly her family. The narrative of Lori, Charles, Tylee, and JJ was no longer just a family story. It had morphed into something larger, something imbued with religious undertones and predictions of horrific revelation. In this mix of family dynamics and eschatological beliefs, the seeds of future mysteries and untold stories were sown, waiting to unfold in ways that no one could have predicted. And in the troubled waters of this increasingly foreboding story, a disquieting twist emerged. Despite both being married to others at the time, their bond, cemented by shared apocalyptic beliefs, grew deeper and more radical. Vallow and Daybell began to see the world through a binary lens, categorizing people as either light or dark spirits. This dichotomy wasn't just a philosophical stance, nor was it just a spiritual one. It was a worldview that dictated their perceptions and interactions with those around them. More disturbingly, they introduced a sinister concept into their ideology. The notion of zombies, that was their term. In Laurie and Chad's twisted belief system, individuals taken over by evil spirits were labeled as zombies. This dehumanization, this conversion from person to pop culture monster, zombie, stripped away the individuality and humanity of those that Laurie and Chad deemed, quote, infected, unquote, by darkness. But the most chilling aspect of their beliefs was the supposed solution to the perceived problem of darkness, to the perceived problem of zombies. According to Vallow and Daybell, the only way to liberate a soul from the clutches of this evil, to free them from their zombie state, was through death. This belief, a grim and fatal remedy, laid the groundwork for a story, the story I'm telling you now, that is steeped in danger and moral decay. The couple's descent into such extreme beliefs signaled a turning point. It wasn't just a descent into radical ideology, but a potential prelude to actions that could transcend the realm of beliefs into the realm of the real, with real and potentially tragic consequences. The stage was set. The characters drawn into a plot that was as much about spiritual battles as it was about the struggles within the human psyche. This chilling psychodrama took a foreboding turn in January of 2019, when Charles Vallow, entangled in the increasingly complex and darkening world of his wife Lori and her partner in belief, Chad Daybell, found himself compelled to seek the intervention of the authorities. His visit to the police was not just a call for help, it was a stark revelation of the alarming transformations that he'd witnessed in Lori. Charles described his wife as unhinged, a term loaded with the weight of mental disarray and detachment from reality. He painted a picture of a woman who no longer tread the grounds of the ordinary, but believed herself to be a deity, a godlike figure preparing for the apocalyptic end of days. 
This was not the Lori he knew, nor was it the woman he married. This was someone transformed, consumed by her convictions and beliefs. Some might say consumed by her delusions. Even more disturbingly, Charles voiced a spine-tingling fear. Lori had threatened to murder him. This wasn't just a marital dispute or a difference in beliefs. It was a matter of life and death. The woman he once knew as a partner and a family member had, in his eyes, morphed into a potential threat to his very existence because he had, in her eyes, morphed into a zombie. Charles Vallow's revelations to the police opened up a new chapter in this convoluted tale, one where personal safety and mental stability came into question. The narrative was no longer just about radical beliefs and spiritual warfare. It had escalated to potential physical harm. Charles' plea to the authorities was a crucial clue, a window into the escalating tension and danger that lurked within the Vallow Daybell dynamic. It underscored the urgency and gravity of the situation, hinting at the dire possibilities that lay ahead. The plot thickened as Charles Vallow, increasingly ensnared in a web of fear and uncertainty, took a decisive step. He filed for divorce from Lori. His action wasn't driven merely by the dissolution of marital affection, but by a palpable fear for the safety of both himself and the children. The court documents he filed were not just legal forms, they were testimonies of a man pushed to the brink, desperately seeking to extricate himself and his family from what he perceived as a dangerous, even a deadly, situation. This tension-riddled narrative reached a crucial, critical, tragic climax when Charles, simply adhering to the routines of a divided family, went to pick up his son from a home where Lori was staying. It was not just any home. It was the home of her brother, Alex Cox, and it became the setting for an ominous encounter. Because when Charles arrived, Lori was not alone. She was in the company of her brother. The details of what transpired inside the house remain shrouded in the complexities of family conflict and personal vendettas. But what began as a confrontation escalated into a tragic and irreversible act. In the heat of the moment, Alex Cox turned the conflict fatal, shooting Charles Vallow and killing him. The aftermath of this violence was tangled in claims and counterclaims. Alex Cox asserted that he'd acted in self-defense, a claim that for the time shielded him from the grasp of the law. He was never charged for the shooting, leaving the incident cloaked in ambiguity and unanswered questions. But this was more than just a familial tragedy. It was a confluence of fear, belief, and violence. It raised myriad questions about the nature of the confrontation, the motivations behind it, and the dynamics within the fractured family. As the story unfolded, it became clear that this was not just a tale of ideological extremity, but also one of personal vendettas, self-preservation, and the tragic consequences of a family torn apart by radical beliefs and deep-seated conflicts. In the fall of 2019, a new chapter began as Lori Vallow, along with J.J. and Tylee, embarked on a significant relocation. They moved to Rexburg, Idaho, a picturesque town cradled by the Teton Mountains. This was not just a change of scenery. It was a strategic move, bringing Lori closer to Chad Daybell, who resided near this seemingly idyllic setting. However, in this particular real-life horror story, tranquility is always short-lived. In the following month, an event occurred that cast a long, dark shadow over both Lori and Chad. Tammy Daybell, Chad's wife of 28 years, died suddenly. This wasn't just a passing, it was a moment that raised a curtain of suspicion and mystery. According to an interview on the CBS News program 48 Hours, Tammy had been in poor health, and her death appeared to be a peaceful one in her sleep or so claimed the local coroner. 
The Daybell children, grappling with grief and shock, declined a post-mortem examination, accepting the initial assessment of natural death. But, as the investigation into Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell intensified, the narrative took another dramatic twist. In December 2019, Tammy Daybell's body was exhumed, an autopsy was performed, and it revealed a shocking truth. Tammy had been killed by asphyxiation, likely smothered with a pillow while she slept. A stark contradiction to the earlier belief of a natural death. Amidst this brewing storm of mystery and suspicion, utterly shameless as self-proclaimed prophets often are, Chad Daybell and Lori Vallow tied the knot in Hawaii, marrying each other just two weeks after Tammy's death. This union, formed in the shadow of tragedy and under the gaze of scrutiny, added a complex layer to the narrative. It wasn't just a marriage. It was a convergence of two controversial figures, each entwined in a web of radical beliefs, familial discord, and now a death shrouded in mystery, and each, perhaps believing in their own spiritual righteousness, seemed to give exactly zero fucks about what anybody thought or how anything looked. The story of Lori Vallow, Chad Daybell, and the events that unfolded in Rexburg, Idaho is a tapestry of mysteries, tragedies, and unanswered questions. It's a narrative that delves deep into the depths of belief, love, and betrayal set against the backdrop of a seemingly peaceful town and the majestic Teton Mountains. As the investigation continued, each revelation peeled back layers, revealing a saga that captured not just the attention of the law, but the intrigue and horror of the public. But the killing of Lori's husband and Chad's wife was just the beginning. The story only gets worse from here. With the disappearance of JJ and Tylee, Lori Vallow's children. Concerned about seven-year-old JJ, his grandparents, Kay and Larry Woodcock, reached out to the Rexburg, Idaho police for a welfare check igniting a chain of events that would unravel a chilling mystery. Their call sparked a nationwide manhunt after it was discovered that both JJ and Tylee had vanished, unseen for weeks. This revelation added a dire urgency to the already tumultuous saga involving Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell. Despite the growing concerns and the intensifying search, Vallow and Daybell remained evasive. They offered reassurance to relatives and friends that the children were, quote, safe and happy, unquote, but these words rang hollow against the backdrop of the children's inexplicable absence and the expanding fruitless search for them. But the search for JJ entirely continued, even as Vallow and Daybell seemed to carry on with their lives, vacationing in Hawaii in December of 2019. Which, by the way, was the same Hawaii trip where Chad and Lori got married, despite the fact that Lori's brother Alex Cox had killed her husband Charles and authorities had just determined that Chad Daybell's wife had been asphyxiated, and both of Lori's children were missing, these shameless assholes had the gall to go vacationing in paradise and get hitched. Their apparent indifference to the escalating situation further deepened the mystery and public concern. Well, I don't know about deepening the mystery, but it should certainly deepen the concern. However, the case took a grim turn in February of 2020 when... Lori Vallow was extradited and arrested. In a haunting revelation, authorities eventually discovered the remains of J.G. and Tylee in June of 2020, buried in the backyard of Chad Daybell's home. The trial, this is Lori's trial, cast a stark light on the brutal end that the children met. The prosecutor, in a poignant and horrifying disclosure, described Tylee's remains as charred, a mere, quote, 
mass of bone and tissue, unquote. God, that's hard to hear. These tragic details starkly highlighted the brutality of the crime and the loss of young life. The investigation pieced together the last known movements of the children. They were last photographed alive during a trip to Yellowstone National Park in December 2019, a trip led by Lori Vallow. GPS data implicated Lori's brother, Alex Cole, placing him at Chad Daybell's property on crucial dates following the children's last sightings. Cole's presence in the backyard for significant periods aligned with the timeline of the children's disappearance. JJ was last seen on September 22, 2019. The subsequent GPS data from Cox's phone the following day led investigators directly to the site where the children's remains were eventually found. Unfortunately, Alex Cole died of natural causes in December 2019, leaving many questions unanswered and allowing him to escape his probable responsibility in helping to hide the murder of his niece and nephew. Gosh, I'll tell you, I'm really not much of one for moral grandstanding generally, even though it's often appropriate when you're doing a true crime podcast and telling stories like this. But my goodness, these people make me absolutely sick. All right, let's get it done, huh? The final chapter in Lori Vallow's harrowing saga unfolded in the courtroom, a stage set for the delivery of justice. The courtroom was heavy with emotion as tearful relatives of the victims, bound together in shared grief and anticipation, awaited the jury's verdict and the judge's final word. The nearly five-week trial had been an arduous journey with prosecutors calling 60 witnesses and presenting, at times, extremely gruesome evidence. The story they told was not just of the murders, but also of the harrowing discovery of the children's remains. In a notable strategy, Vallow's defense team did not call any witnesses, and she chose not to testify in her defense. The defense, led by attorney Jim Archibald, attempted to portray Vallow as a once-loving mother who had been ensnared by a, quote, weird, unquote, religious cult leader. However, the prosecution's narrative was compellingly different. They argued that Vallow, alongside Chad Daybell, orchestrated a series of events that culminated in the tragic deaths of J.J., Tylee, and Tammy Daybell. And let's not forget all about Charles Vallow, who was supposedly shot in self-defense by Lori's brother, now deceased. The prosecutor's narrative portrayed Vallow as a manipulative figure using, quote, money, power, and sex, unquote, to achieve her objectives, with Chad Daybell being her ultimate goal. Fremont County Prosecutor Lindsey Blake's words during the trial echoed this sentiment, painting a picture of a defendant who would remove any obstacle to get what she wanted. Lori Vallow and Chad Daybell, both embroiled in this tragic saga, tragic for others, horrific saga that they created, faced charges of murder, conspiracy, and grand theft. On July 31, 2023, just a few months ago, Lori Vallow, the 49-year-old beautician, received a sentence that sealed her fate. Life in prison without the possibility of parole. Good. Get that zombie behind bars. Meanwhile, Chad Daybell's trial is scheduled for April 1st, 2024, leaving another chapter of this story yet to be written. This case, entangled in bizarre religious beliefs, family betrayal, and unspeakable acts, leaves behind a legacy of pain, loss, and a stark warning against the dangers of radical ideologies. It serves as a starkly compelling reminder of the power of words and beliefs in shaping actions, sometimes with devastating consequences. To that point, do yourself and all of us a favor and don't buy or read Chad Daybell's books. Remember that if you're going through a particularly hard time emotionally, that 
you can call 988 24 hours a day, seven days a week to receive immediate counseling for mental health, substance use, or suicidal thoughts. So if you find yourself in a dark place, please do call 988. And please do always remember that you are loved and the world is a better place with you in it. Until next time, I'm Zevin Odelberg, and this has been Kinda Murdery. Oh, my God.